Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's show, for an employee at one TV studio, the happenings in the office at night are far too scary for TV. Is it possible that a guardian spirit offered a piece of advice just in the nick of time? And one listener shares a very personal story of how a spirit helped her through one of the darkest times in her life. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing great, Jenny. You're, you're shining a little different today. I know. I'm just, uh, I got a cold. Uh, that sucks when you get those colds, you know. I know, it's just, it's not fun. I don't like having a cold and sounding like you doing a female voice. I know, you you incidentally do kind of sound like me doing a female voice, don't you? Yeah, I really kind of do. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it must be, you know, like people like sometimes start to look like their pets after you have them for too long. Maybe that's what happens when you have a cold. You start to sound like me doing a very bad impression of you. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> if you haven't gathered by now. It's, uh, it's just me in the studio uh, today. Jenny uh, is off this evening attending to a child that's not feeling all that well that we have. So uh, that's what you got tonight. And I'll, I'll, I will not uh, continue on the, uh, the one-sided conversation where I pretend to be her uh, for the sake of everyone here. But got some great stories for you. Of course, the phone number is 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. So lots of ways to get your stories to us. I'm particularly excited about the... Uh, the TV station uh, haunting or TV studio haunting. That's always, uh, always interesting. And those always seem like places to me that would likely have a lot of uh, paranormal activity in, if you would. I mean, essentially, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of energy and emotions that just go on inside of a, a TV station or a radio station. And then on top of that, a lot of times you have all of that equipment, the heavily <laughs> charged equipment that's either in equipment rooms or just in the studios that I would just think would just be so conducive for paranormal uh, activity. I've, I've had a couple radio stations I've talked about on the air before that have certainly had their fair share of uh, unexplained activity. And I, I imagine TV stations would be, uh, be no different whatsoever. So uh, let's get into our, uh, our first story tonight. Raven writes in, hi guys. I start by saying how much I love your show. Y'all have one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. I'm an EPP, and I hope your show is around for a very long time to come. Well, so do we. And that's why we need EPP, so we can ensure that it does stay around for a very long time to come. Because as more people find the show and listen to it, the higher our costs go for uh, distributing it. So please, uh, if you're not an EPP yet, uh, please consider becoming one like Raven there. Uh, I know you've wondered what people do while listening to your shows. I play video games, usually WoW or Diablo 3. I also listen to it when I go to bed because I'm weird like that. <clears throat> that's not weird. That's normal. You're someone who enjoys nightmares. The story I'm sharing today isn't super scary, but it was weird. The following events occurred during the early 1990s. I got my first real job when I was 21. The job was an overnight master control operator at one of the local TV stations. 
A master control operator runs the programs on a TV station. Basically, they switch the programming to the commercials. In fact, they also record video feeds and dub off commercials and all sorts of other stuff. I'm going to describe the building layout uh, so some of this uh, will hopefully make more sense. I'm leaving out the town and the name of the station, though, because I still live in that town, and one day I might want to work at that station again. The TV station looked like a normal office building from the outside. I had two stories, uh, or it had, it had two stories, and it was basically a big rectangle with a parking lot out back. In the front lobby, there was a curved grand staircase leading up to the second floor. The staircase was mostly for advertising clients and wasn't actually used by me all that often. It was located roughly in the middle of one of the longer parts of the building. There were two other staircases that led to the second floor. One was on the right short side of the rectangular building, and the other was on the left. On the ground floor, there was hallways that went around the walls of the building. In the center was a glass-walled room where the master control operator worked. It contained a switcher and several VTRs, as well as several video monitors. Behind and off to the right side was a larger room that contained shelved tapes and commercial tapes and giant half-inch playback machines. To the left of the master control room was a hallway that led to the front of the building. Along this hallway was a staircase that led to the second floor. Near the front of the building was a conference room, which contained a table with several large comfy chairs around it. In the glass-enclosed master control room, you could see into another glass-enclosed room where video production occurred. It was sort of a kitty corner to the right side of the room. At the time, the station did not have a newscast, so they mainly produced PSAs and commercials. Through the glass back wall of the production room, you could see into one of the hallways that ran around the building. A glass door led into this hallway. This hallway had a large glass window in it that looked out into the TV studio. The window had a curtain inside the studio that was almost always pulled shut so you couldn't see in there. It was usually completely dark at night. A bit further along that hall towards the front of the building was a break room. It had the standard counter with the microwave and sink, a small table, chairs, and a wall of cabinets and drawers like a kitchen. Past the break room was a door that led into another short hallway and another staircase that led up to the second floor. There were other rooms, mostly offices, that I never visited because I worked overnights and they were empty and the doors were locked when I was there. Hopefully those big, long descriptions didn't make anyone fall asleep. They are all relevant to my story. My first night at work started with what I thought was hazing for my new co-workers. There were two people in there training me and I knew them from college. Both of them told me the station was haunted. I thought they were full of crap. However... The creepy staircase was creepy as hell. This was the staircase past the break room that had a closed door and a hallway leading up to it. I was given a tour through the building and walked down those stairs while being told not to use them. The entire time I walked down those stairs, I felt like something was walking right behind me, something that wanted to push me. Despite telling myself that it was all in my head, I was glad to get off those stairs and I never used them again. In addition to the creepy stairs... I was told about a ghost light in the studio. Supposedly there was a light in there that wasn't hooked up to the light board. It did have power, but no switch to turn it on. This light supposedly came on at night by itself. Both of my co-workers told me they had seen it. There were other things they told me, but I don't remember them all. At the time, I was convinced that they were just trying to scare me. The TV station was dark at night because most of the lights were turned off. The only rooms with full lights after everyone left were master control in the break room. Even the hallways had only security-type floor lights on at night. It was naturally spooky, so I thought the ghost stories were just a tradition among the night workers or something. In about a week, my training was done, and I settled into my overnight job. I came in at 9 p.m. and worked until 5 a.m. There were usually a few people there when I came into work, but they all cleared out by midnight. After that, it was me alone until my relief showed up morning. I didn't mind being alone most of the time. I never did feel comfortable on the upper floor, though. I never went up there unless I had to fetch something. Going past the staircase made me nervous, and I won't look at them because I was afraid I'd see something. One of my duties was to monitor the motion detectors that were set in the hallways near the front of the building. They'd make a clicking sound, and a red light would blink when someone walked past them. 
I got used to the sound because I sometimes walked around the building at night to help stay awake. I also got used to those motion detectors going off by themselves. One side would go off and then a few minutes later the other would follow like someone was walking around the building. This happened so frequently that I learned to tune it out. No one was ever there and it was one of the things I'd been warned about. I never got used to seeing things out of the corner of my eyes in the glass walls. Several times I thought I saw a man in a white shirt, dark tie, and gray pants walking by. I also thought I saw him walking in the larger room behind the half-inch machines. I never saw him head or clearly. It was always a reflection or a quick blur out of the corner of my eye. It was always when I was there alone. This was weird and disturbing, but it didn't happen every night, so I just tried to ignore it. For what it's worth, worth, the ghost was just there. It was not angry or hostile. It was just startling to see him because I knew he wasn't really there. Sometimes I'd feel him walking around even when I didn't see him. The floor was short, was sort of uh, bouncy. You could feel steps whenever anyone walked by. Once he walked up behind me and tapped my shoulder while I was loading up a half-inch machine, I thought it was my coworker and said, Just a minute without turning around because this was a tricky machine to load. I was very startled to turn around and see no one behind me. Instead, I saw my co-worker busily working behind closed glass doors across the room in the production suite. There was no way he could have gotten there so fast without me feeling him walk by. Instead, I had felt a presence behind me up until I turned around. One night, I decided to catch a quick nap before my shift ended. I know that's terrible, but I was an exhausted college student. I went to the conference room, laid my head down on the table. Almost immediately, something started stomping on the roof above my head. The room above the conference room was a storage room where various infomercials were stored. The door to it was kept locked at night, and I was the only person in the building. I levitated off my chair and ran like hell out of that room. I spent the rest of the night shivering in my glass cage and nervously watching those stairs. Yes, I should have gone up there and checked it out to make sure no prowlers were in the building, but there was no way I was going to do that. I wouldn't do it now either. My scariest night happened about a month before I quit the job. Around midnight, I walked through the production suite into the hallway and down into the break room. I don't remember what was what I made there, but it was basically my lunch. Got something about it, started walking out of the room, and I heard a noise behind me and turned around to see all the drawers and cabinets were open. Now, they weren't wide open or anything, but every damn one of them was at least slightly ajar. The drawer I just used was open all the way. This caused all the hair on the back of my neck to rise. I did not like it at all. I quietly closed the cabinets and the drawers and started walking back to my glass-walled master control room. I was about halfway through the dark production room when suddenly the entire room lit up with a bright light. My shadow was sharply outlined against the wall and I froze in mid-step. I turned around to see what the hell it was and saw a very bright light shining through the window in the hall that led into the studio. It was a small light in the upper corner, but it was bright enough to completely light a room that had been so dark that I didn't even realize the curtain on the window was open. It turned off as I stared at it, and I was left in darkness. It seemed much less comfortable than before. I quickly turned around and hauled ass back to my well-lit glass master control cube. The light turned on again and I walked away, but I tried to ignore it. I knew it was the famous ghost light. By the time I sat down in my chair, it had turned off again. But I still felt scared and unsafe. I knew that no one else was in the building, but somehow, that light had turned itself on anyway. It continued to turn itself on and off as I worked that night. Sometimes it blinked on and off fast, and sometimes it gradually faded up and gradually faded down. I could see it every time because of the glass walls in my room and the production suite and that damned window to the studio, of course. I'm not sure why this scared me so bad, but it did. I was so scared that I started crying. I couldn't leave because I was running the TV station until 3 a.m. when we went to some commercial-free network programming. The light stopped blinking once I began to cry, but I was so afraid that I'd start, it would start again, I did not feel relieved. After 3 a.m., I sat outside until my relief arrived at 5 a.m. because I was too scared to stay in there. 
I only worked a few more nights after that. I never realized how nervous that job made me until I began working somewhere else. My follow-up for this story is that a paranormal group investigated that TV station a few years later. They didn't find anything, though. As far as I'm concerned, there was something there. I hope this wasn't too long or boring. I'll try to write shorter with my next story. Raven. Raven, thank you for writing in that very creepy story of a haunted TV station. A couple things I want to talk about from that story that really kind of made me wonder and think. You know, we, we like we were saying at the beginning of the story, before the story, just the sheer amount of electronic equipment that you're surrounded by at a TV station. I, I, I would just think it'd be like a battery pack for anything paranormal that may be in the area. But then you add into it the, uh, the glass and essentially the mirror-like quality that glass can uh, hold, essentially. I wonder if that plays into it as well. Just the fact that so much can reflect just like a mirror off of glass, if that adds into the, uh, the probability of a haunting or the, uh, the energy of it, if you will, as far as it being able to make itself known. The worst part about that whole thing is, you know, if you're in a building and you think something paranormal is going on, sometimes, you know, you can, you can move to another room and, and shut a door, get between a wall, and sometimes it can kind of just calm down and the, whatever is going on will fade away or if it's going to continue on in the other room, it continues on in the other room. But the fact that you're in a building with old glass walls, there's no escaping that. And that's, that can be truly a terrifying thought. There's no getting away. You are going to see whatever it wants you to see because you are surrounded by glass. That was a great story, Raven. Thank you for for sharing that and writing that into us today here at Real Ghost Stories Online. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. We would love to hear it. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you are on the air. Hi, guys. This is Sunny. Um, I've written in a few shows, but today I decided to call. Um, I started a new job recently um, for a lady that I helped take care of. Um, and when I was at her house, I noticed a few things happening that are a little strange. Um, one day I was upstairs cleaning, doing some chores, and I noticed that one of the lamps uh, wouldn't turn on. So I went down to get a light bulb, came back up, put the light bulb, the new light bulb in the lamp. And when I turned it on, it didn't turn on right away. So I figured, okay, maybe it's just broken or something. Um, so I started to walk away. And then when I started walking away, suddenly the lamp turns on by itself. And that was a little weird. Um, but I just was like, okay, maybe it's just the lamp's old or something. I don't know. Um, and then later, uh, I was downstairs getting her dinner ready. And I went to serve her dinner. And when I walked up to her, there was like this smell of burning candles. But there's no candles in the house anywhere around that area um, and she never really lights candles in the house at all anyway so I thought that was a little weird um, later on as I got to know her she started telling me about you know things that happened um, she told me that she used to have a dog a German Shepherd that they had her and her husband had for a long time and that he got really sick when he started getting old and he went in the kitchen laid down and died <laughs> one morning they came down and found him dead in the kitchen um also she said her husband died upstairs in the room where i had the experience with the lamp she said he died up there and so i was like hmm, okay that's a little creepy um there's always noises whenever i'm here by myself sometimes her daughter will come and pick her up and take her places and i'll stay here and clean and do other things and there's always like these weird noises um, on the roof. There's no attic. It's just a large living room area and a large um, ceiling that's open. 
but there's always like these bangs on the ceiling. Um, sometimes when I go to the bathroom upstairs, there's bangs in the bathroom. And one day I was like, hmm, let me just say something, you know. I said, hey, I'll be out of here in a minute. Thanks. I'll be right. I'll be done in a minute and I'll be leaving. And then suddenly, you know, there's no more noise. So there's a lot of strange things, you know, that are not really that big of a deal, but still a little strange. Um, not sure if anything else is going to happen, but if it does, I'll probably call back and let you know. I love the show. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for calling in and uh, and sharing your story with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. What's interesting about that is it, there's a lot of ways you could take that. And if you're, oh gosh, what was a show we were watching not too long ago? It was like uh, like a, some show trying to debunk paranormal stories. Um, and it was an investigator from a paranormal thing that came in. And then there was the uh, essentially like fix it guy that came in. Well, it's just a pipe. And, and like there was the answer to everything. Well, there's a pipe that's loose. It's just a radiator. It's just, it was the answer to everything. And then the paranormal was like, no, you got this, this, or this. And it was like completely conflicting stories. Anyway, you could argue, you know, maybe it is a pipe. Maybe it is, uh, you know, something internal in the house. Houses make a lot of weird, unexplained noises uh, until you can get to the bottom of it. And then you figure out what it is. And it's anything from a squirrel to a loose wire to, you know, whatever. Um, but they do. They make weird noises. What makes me question... This being a house noise uh, or something paranormal uh, and kind of ruling out the house noise in your story is the fact that you can interact with it and you can say something and it stops. Now, obviously, telling the cooling system in a house to please stop, you know, creaking or banging a pipe or whatever, it's probably not going to react to you. Just a hunch most HVAC systems, not voice activated. Especially in an older property. That's what's making me think that there's something else certainly going on here. And the, the unexplained sense and, and all that. Very interesting. Um, I don't want to sound too morbid here either, but a lot of times, and this is based on a lot of the stories that we've gotten in here to the show, as folks are getting closer and closer to the end they seem to have more and more visitors from the other side making their presence known either showing up giving signs things of that nature so it almost almost makes me wonder if there's something going on there where there may be Some visitors beginning to arrive. You know? I don't know. Not wishing ill will on anyone. Just throwing it out there. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you like the show, please consider supporting us and keeping us on the air by becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get all those bonus episodes. Uh, it's like 36 of them now plus some bonus video it's it's well worth it you can binge on some of our best ghost stories um and you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are keeping our show on the air and you get a brand new one every single week so please consider checking that out on the website at real ghost stories online you get some ones for the weekend you can get there and just enjoy away so please uh, please do check that out and please help keep us uh, keep the show going we love doing it i know you guys enjoy listening to it so uh so thank you in advance and thank you if you already are an epp uh, Sarah writes in, hey guys, my name's Sarah. I'm listening from New Zealand. Recently found your podcast and have uh, even in binge listening to it on holiday in Fiji. Wow. The beautiful white sandy beaches don't seem to be the right setting for such stories, but they're so addictive. That's that's wonderful. I guess if I can't be there, uh, at least my voice has been now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of guardian-type stories for you. One is my mom's story, and the second is my own. My mom's experience happened over 40 years ago when she had first gotten married and had her first baby, my older brother. She'd been reading a magazine or newspaper article that gave tips on how to drive safely when it's raining, specifically when it's dark. I think it focused on not speeding. 
It wasn't long after reading that article that she found herself in exactly that situation, although I doubt she was giving it any thought. Driving home one stormy night with a baby in the back, as she approached a hill, she went to put her foot down on the accelerator. Just before her, pu- her foot pushed down, she distinctly heard a male voice say in her ear, Remember the article? She immediately took her foot away from the accelerator, and just before her, several large boulders and debris from the bank she was driving next to fell on the road. These rocks, she said, were big enough to smash the car into bits. She's certain that she had, had she not listened to what she had called her guardian, she and my brother wouldn't be here today. Fast forward a few years. When I was 10, I walked into a conversation my mom and my older sister, who was 23 at the time, were having. They were talking now about spirits, and they had seen and guardian angels. This is where I heard the previous story. At 10, I was at an age where I thought ghost stories were just that, stories. I was terrified that the adults were talking about seeing ghosts as if they were real, even though some of the stories were pleasant. I went to bed that night praying like mad that I didn't see anything spooky, and if I had a guardian angel, I never ever wanted to see or hear it. I guess my guardian had other things in mind. She had a terrified child to soothe. I woke that night and lay awake for I don't know how long when there was a flash of light above me. I hid under the blankets, peeked out to see the flash again, and hid again. I peeked once more, and in front of me floated a crochet type. It fell away to reveal a gigantic blue angel. She was beautiful with a blue dress and long, light brown hair, and she was surrounded by light. She sang to me in a language I didn't understand. It was at this stage that I remember thinking that should I should be so scared, but I wasn't at all. She just sang, and I felt totally at ease. I don't remember her leaving. Not even sure if it really happened. Perhaps it was a dream. Likely, since I had just been listening to those types of stories before I went to bed. Even so, I feel like it wasn't a coincidence that my guardian was contacting me to say, yes, you do have a guardian, and don't worry about me. I'm here to protect you. Thanks for reading and listening. I realize that this isn't a scary story, although I occasionally see and hear spooky things. I might write in about the house that my family moved to that seemed to change us all emotionally for the worse. I used to see shadows there, and the whole family kind of lost the plot a little bit. Anyway, hope to hear this story get read out. It's my favorite ghost story to tell. Love the show. Take care, Sarah. Well, Sarah, thank you for writing in and sharing those stories with us. Very interesting to hear all those events that had, uh, had taken place to you, or t- t- uh, taken place with you. What I find most interesting was the uh, the story of uh, what happened with your mom and uh, the Guardian message that came through. It's funny because I'm thinking if, if if I were in that situation, as I do with almost any story that you know, get in, you kind of put yourself, you know, into the person's shoes, if you will. You know, how would you react if you were in that situation? So I put myself there. And and I was thinking how I would react there. And this is me, just because I'm sometimes a little bit slow and I need Jenny to uh, remind me of like a story or something. By something whispered into my ear, like, remember the article. I probably would have just kept going and gone, what article? What are you talking about? Can you be, little, can you be more specific, ghost voice? <laughs> And then I would have been crushed by rocks. But uh, it's good that she immediately... Oh, that article. Yeah, bam. Done. And I, I can just see my, myself really like... Hey, you got to be more specific than that. I read a lot of articles. What, what are you talking... <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. R writes and I'm really sorry, but I'm just going to go by R when telling the story. It's an experience I felt really conflicted about sharing with anyone, but after listening to your show for a while, I decided it was time. It's going to be kind of long story. I've struggled with severe depression and anxiety my entire life, oftentimes to the point of considering suicide. The time it was worse for me was when I was 17 to 18 years old. At that point, I had taken to locking myself in my room and refusing to talk to anyone other than who I thought was my own imaginary friend. I know people normally don't have imaginary friends at that age, but I was in desperate need of someone to talk to, so this seemed to be the best way. I called him Matthew. 
Even to this day, I can't understand why that name seemed to stand out in my head, but it just felt right. When I started feeling really terrible, I would lock my door, sit on my bed, and just talk quietly to the open air. I'd tell Matthew about my problems, how my day had been, how upset I felt, and how much I wanted someone to notice. After I finished speaking, the room would always seem a bit warmer, and I'd feel much more relaxed. This could certainly be attributed to simply talking about things, but that idea won't hold up against the events that followed. Over the course of a few weeks, I began noticing little changes around my room. Items I had placed on my dresser would be on my bookcase. The unshakable feeling of someone watching me would always be in the back of my mind whenever I stepped through the door. These occurrences stopped as quickly as they started, and for a few days, my room was quiet. After that brief pause, the events picked up again, happening more frequently, with larger things being moved. My big comforter, clothes, hampers, etc., I began to see a shadow slipping around my room both at night and in daylight. It would never be for more than a few seconds, but the shape was that of a young man just walking around the perimeter of my room. I never felt like it meant to hurt me, but still, I was so freaked out I started sleeping on the living room couch. Once I finally gained the courage to return to my own bed, I noticed that the shadows had stopped. Small items would still be misplaced in the morning, but the larger ones always stayed right where they were. Another week of this went by until I was brave or completely stupid enough to call out to whatever was in the room and demanded that it showed itself. As I huddled in the corner of my bed, clutching my Bible to my chest, a figure began to form near my closet. He looked no older than I was, thin and pale and dressed in blue Civil War era uniforms with his hands clasped behind his back. He had brown, nearly black hair and dark brown eyes, which were watching me closely. He looked almost nervous and seemed to take a step back, but he didn't so much step as glide back towards my closet. At this point, I was close to crying and screaming for my parents to come into my room and save me, but something was nagging at my mind, telling me to keep quiet and let this man talk first. Immediately, he introduced himself as Matthew, promised that he wasn't going to hurt me in any way. He also apologized for scaring me. The man then st stated that he was not of this earth any longer and that should I wish him to, he would leave and never frighten me again. This experience only lasted a few minutes, all of which I spent staring at him and trying to process exactly what I was seeing. He started to fade away into the air, but asked if he could visit again. I don't know why, but I nodded. I guess part of me believe this was just some crazy dream or hallucination. It was a couple days before Matthew showed himself to me again. This time it was around two in the morning and I was busy typing up an essay for school. Same as the first time, he appeared near my closet and just stood there, hands clasped behind his back and an almost nervous smile on his face. He asked me if I minded him being there and I shook my head. Still not brave enough to talk to him. Matthew took one step forward then stopped and asked me again. I shook my head. At this point, he asked if I was still scared of him. I nodded, and he instantly retreated back towards the closet, apologized, and disappeared. I didn't see Matthew again for a, couple, for a couple of days after that. When he appeared again, it was in the same spot. He asked the same, are you scared of me, question. This time, I shook my head, and he approached. We finally started to converse, and he explained that he was a soldier who had frozen to death, on this land, when a blizzard had appeared out of nowhere. His companion and other soldier had made it all the way back to their commander. Matthew watched them carry his body away the next morning. He then told me he had been wandering around here since, waiting to go to heaven like he had been taught he would, but he couldn't leave the place where he died. After this, Matthew would appear to me almost every day, especially if I was feeling really upset. We'd talk, he'd try to cheer me up, and he'd tell me more about himself. Eventually, my parents discovered that I was talking to myself, and they dragged me into the see a therapist. I was told Matthew was a figment of my imagination and that I should try to forget about him. Once I got home again, I started to push Matthew away, but tried to believe what I had been told by others, but part of me was so happy that someone finally cared. I didn't want him to go away. just wanted my friend, whether he was dead or not, real or not. Over the next few weeks, I would still talk to Matthew and try to figure things out in my own head. I needed to know whether I had gone crazy like people said or if I 
really did have a spirit in my room. Matthew would assure me that he was real and he was my friend and that he was trying to help me. But everyone else was telling me I was bonkers. I needed help and he was only in my mind. One day, Matthew appeared looking sadder than I had ever seen him before. He told me he didn't want to leave but had decided that being here wasn't helping as much as he thought. He apologized over and over again for making me so confused but swore to me that he had been my friend and that he truly wanted me to feel happier and live a good life. I started sobbing and actually leaped off my bed, hands held out like I was going to grab his arm, but of course he disappeared before I had even gotten near him. I don't think I ever told my parents why they found me sitting next to my closet bowling my eyes out, and I really don't think I ever will. Matthew's become a distant memory for them, and it's better kept that way. Thank you for writing in and sharing that story with us. It sounds like it was really a very personal situation for you. But it sounds like he did serve his purpose. Very interesting. Do you think it was best that he left at the time that he did so you didn't face any more ridicule? Or would you rather that he stuck around just a a little bit longer? I wonder if, if he knew a little bit more about the future, you know, than you did. Sometimes it's interesting how they seem to do that or have the ability to do that. Very, very interesting and and compelling story. Uh, I'm wondering about the name, though. Since you had first brought that name up and it was before you actually had seen him, I wonder what brought you to, to pick that name if you will. And then it turned out that the spirit that started visiting you was named that. No? 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can write in on the website as well. And if you'd like to talk about any of the stories that you've heard on any of our episodes, you can always discuss them up on our forum on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's continue on. Go to another caller. This is uh, Lindsay. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I don't know if this will work. It's like every other time I try to call, my voicemail sensor cuts me off. But um, I, I've called in before, and I'm not sure if it's aired because like just after I did, it was back in February, I wasn't able to listen to the show for a while, so I'm still getting caught up. But uh, when I did call in before, I mentioned that my sister has the ability to see um, ghosts. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about that because I'm kind of curious to see if anyone else has experienced anything similar to her. Um, It started when we were were young. Um, She was, I want to say, eighth grade maybe. Um, so she was around 13 or 14 probably. Um, and she had gone into her, our room and we lived in a house that was built in, I want to say the the early 1970s. So it was, you didn't have any of these multiple switches, you know, one to control the ceiling fan and one to control the lights. Um, so you would turn on the light, the switch would turn on the light and the fan. And then the, the actual ceiling fan had, the string that you would pull. So we, we all had like longer strings because we were kids and so that we could reach it. And she, it was spring or summer. So she, we left our fans on all the time and she goes into her room and uh, the light switch was on. So the light wasn't on, but it was, it was dark and she had gone in to get something and she reaches up to turn the light on and notices something out of the corner of her eye. And she turns and there she said there was a little girl standing in her closet and her closet door was open and uh she said she was um pretty young probably i want to say eight or nine maybe um she was wearing <clears throat> she described it as like a period dress to me it seemed like maybe the early 1900s um she had long dark hair and she, she was just staring at her and of course she freaked out and left and she ran out of the room and she told our parent or told my mom. Um, and 
us and we I just like I didn't know what to believe we were raised in a in a very open-minded household I guess when it came to these sorts of things because sensing things and seeing spirits tends to be something that runs in the family my cousin has the ability um some of my I think one or two of my aunts can do it my mom can sense things I cannot I have seen I have seen a ghost before um in a nursing home that I worked at I think I wrote in about that one uh and I've caught EVPs but that's really the extent of it um so she so we believed her and my mom understood and she I mean she was terrified she was absolutely terrified she would not go back in that room we had a rollaway bed and they put it in my room and she slept in my room with me for months and um she would only go in her room if someone went with her like to get clothes or whatever and she had to be the first one out and it seemed like after that like the floodgates just opened up and what i believe is that what what it is is that people who can see spirits they're not necessarily haunted themselves they sort of operate on a a radio frequency in a sense that the you know they they emit a frequency sort of that spirits can sense on that level and they're attracted to it because ever since then she's seen them all over the place and so what happened what I'm really curious about is excuse me that we were watching an old home video one day after this happened um wasn't too long after and it was of my my grandfather my mother's father's home um he passed when I was very young but they had a very old house. Like it's when my mom was growing up, they didn't have indoor plumbing. Um, they had an outhouse and it was, um, it, we only visited it a few times because um, my sister and I are only two years apart. And I want to say that I was probably around six or seven when he passed. And we're watching this video and the camera pans in the kitchen. There was, um, I think there was like this corner and as it panned over the corner, my sis, my sister let out this gasp and she, she just went pale white and we paused it and we were like, you know, what's wrong? And she just, she had to take a minute. And she said that when we were kids, she suddenly remembered that there was a little girl in that kitchen and it was not the same little girl that she saw in her closet. She did clarify that, but she said there was, she'd remembered getting out of bed to go to the bathroom because there was a bathroom in the house at this point. It had been updated with indoor plumbing. And uh, there was a kid, there was a little girl in the corner that asked her if she wanted to play. And she she was kind of thought it was weird because, you know, she was probably four or five at the time. And she thought it was weird that there was somebody in the house. So she just kind of went back to bed. And she feels, what I wonder is if she's always had this ability but as a child, maybe she saw things and her, you know, her brain blocked it out or something because she, she remember, started to remember little things that she saw as a, as a kid. But then for years until she was a teenager, she never saw a thing. She never sensed anything. And I'm wondering if maybe, you know, your teen years and the hormones and everything that something just kind of clicked and, and it came back. Um, it's, it's just it's it's very it's very interesting to know that she's she's always had this and it it tormented her for years and her teen years there were so many things in our house that I never experienced but and and I would tease her relentlessly and I feel horrible for it now like there was things in our basement and where where deep freeze was down there and we would go down there together and uh, she would make me go down like sit on the stairs and watch her and uh, as she would come back up, I would say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to sit here. And she'd start to come back up and I'd run up the stairs and shut the light off on her. Things like that. Absolutely horrible. I'm surprised I didn't give her a heart attack. <laughs> um, but there was, you know, there were, have been multiple incidents. Um, she, there was a child that was, um, well, he was a teenager that they used to have city dances in, um, in our town. And we lived a we live a small town, Missouri, and a bunch of the small schools would get together and they would have one city dance for all the junior high kids. And there was a kid that went to the city dance, but he snuck out with some other kids and they were drinking at this picnic area 
um, pavilion across the street from the church, which was only maybe three blocks up from our house. Well, things turned really bad and the kid um, was beat to death. It was absolutely horrible, something that never happens around here. And uh, my sister one night had gone down to our neighbor's um, grandparents' house and they were all playing cards. And she felt like something was following her when she came back up and the kid that was killed, it was him. He followed her all the way back up to the house and she, I was in my room. Um, I had no idea anything was going on and she was freaking out and she said that he seemed very angry and that at one point he walked right through her and when he did, she said it was like she saw in her head everything that happened to him when he died and she felt his injuries like she couldn't turned out he'd had a punctured lung and she couldn't breathe and for a good couple of months after that she had breathing trouble like um, the doctor actually prescribed her an inhaler and it eventually went away but he, the kid didn't go away she was apparently out in the living room crying and when my mom came home she asked her what was wrong and my sister was able to get it out my mom ordered him to leave and he left and she never saw him again but she, I mean, so she's been through some horrible things, um, but it's just, it's, it's very curious to me. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's any other listeners that have experienced anything similar, um, or if they have any insight as to, you know, why she was able to do it as a child, but absolutely didn't remember anything or experience anything for years until she was a teenager and then the floodgates opened and she also has a lot of trouble um, blocking them out she's gotten better at it but she just she absolutely does not embrace it she's terrified of it so I'm just curious if anyone has any insight to that um, seems like this one actually lasted so uh, thank you so much for the show I think it's wonderful it keeps me very entertained at work um, you guys are great, and uh, I am Lindsay in Missouri, by the way. Um, sorry I rambled on for a bit long, but uh, it's just, it's, it's, I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to finally share. So um, thank you so much, you guys, and I look forward to listening to more of the show. Bye. Thank you for the call, Lindsay, and for sharing your stories with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's actually a very common thing where you hear about folks who, have had the sensitivities as a child and then as they get older it just slowly kind of goes away um as far as why that happens and some people it sticks around and sometimes it's it's just kind of i don't know if it's because it gets brushed aside so often with children as it's your imagination it's your imagination that really shut it out because of outside influence or if it is something that as a sensibility um over time just kind of goes away because maybe our bodies realize we don't necessarily need to be that sensitive, and then our our minds focus its uh, or hone its its efforts on, in other sensibilities and sensitivities of things that it, it does need to survive. Because obviously, we don't necessarily need to see uh, the dead. But however, a lot of a lot of people seem to see them. Uh, at a very early age. And then it also sometimes comes back at the very end as well, which is very interesting. It adds more questions than answers, I know. 855-853-4802 is our number. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. My name is John. I'm from North Carolina. I was calling because I've had a few paranormal experiences, but last night I had one that left me feeling like I was slightly insane. I... I was not able to sleep at all last night. Every time I'd fall asleep, I'd wake up immediately with nightmares, and it was just terrifying. But at around 4 in the morning, I was in my kitchen with my dog, and I live in an apartment, and I was sitting in front of the window drinking a glass of water, and I just felt like something was out there looking at me. So I pulled the window back, and in between my truck and my neighbor's car, there was what looked to be a person with the light shining it, looking in the back of her car is what it looked like to me. And my first thought was, it's not her, it's four in the morning. She's a little old lady and she hardly ever leaves anyway. So I was like, who's trying to break in her damn car? And I kept looking and I never saw the thing's face, but I knew it looked at me. And honestly, I got a little scared and I shut the blinds and started peeking through the blinds and I still couldn't make a clear picture of this thing. 
So I ran into my bedroom. I got my glasses. I grabbed my gun. I come back out here with my glasses on, and it was still there, but I couldn't see it. It was like the longer it was there, the more distant it got in a way. And then after about a minute or two, it was just completely gone, like it just disappeared. I don't know what that really could. I mean, all, all I can think of is it was a ghost. I don't know why there'd be a ghost out there peeking in her car outside of my window, but it was just, it was very odd. I wasn't able to go to sleep after that for sure, but I figured I'd just call and share that story with y'all. I hope to hear it on the air, and I hope that y'all can tell me something about why I might have seen it, but uh hope everything's well. I'll call back soon. Bye. I wish I had more more I could tell you about why you see, you had seen the uh the ghost peeking in the car, but unfortunately I do not. I have no I have nothing. I really honestly don't. Sometimes there's these experiences just happen with very little rhyme or reason. Sometimes you need to dig a little bit deeper into the history of a specific location. Uh, to help try and uncover some of the answers to those questions. So without knowing any of that, it's very difficult to say who or what or why. Um, maybe a warning of some sort may have been, uh, you know, one of many things. It's very difficult to say what exactly was going on there. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. Of course, the phone number here, 855-853-4802. To call in and share your real ghost story with us, we would absolutely love to hear it. And as we said earlier in the show, if you like it, please support the show. If you're a new listener, this is a show that's uh, primarily supported by you guys, listener supported. It's only five bucks a month to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get all the bonus episodes, 36 of them right now, plus a brand new one every single week. You get a new one right away tomorrow. Uh, as you go into the weekend, if you're listening to this on Friday as a, a new release. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's tons of bonuses. And uh, and you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are one of the uh, the many people keeping this show afloat. So uh, please, uh, please help us keep doing that. We really love making this show for you and love having you guys listen to it. So check it out on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.